people. Just kidding. I mean, you can do whatever you'd like, but you know, R-E-S-P-E-C-T is not the motto of this podcast. It's it's always never be respectful of Trevor's dinner time. Welcome to episode 31 of Off the Crossbar. Uh, Trevor will be joining us shortly. He has to finish uh, eating and teaching his daughter Pig Latin. That's on the... Take your time, Trevor. We can see you on Zoom. We don't want you to choke. (laughs) Yes, please don't. We, uh, it's been a busy evening here talking about pig Latin and watching Trevor eat food while, quote, inhaling coffee. So things are going well. Yeah. Things are going well. Really well. It looks like Trevor's about to unmute, so. All right, I'm done chewing, so we can talk wow. now. Nice. Welcome to the podcast, Trevor. It's a pleasure to have you Thank on you. this time. Thanks for having me, guys. Wow. Um, this time. <laughs> like it wasn't a pleasure all the other times, but this time. Every other time I think we're on like a Trevor a pleasure or Trevor schedule. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Anyway. <laughs> so we had a Christmas. We did we did a Christmas, guys. It's been a while. We had um, a whole December. I don't think we recorded until like very right. shortly after Thanksgiving. This month really got away from well, this this year, this life, yeah. re- this life's really gotten away from me, and <laughs> it's like I would just. It seems like just you know, yesterday that we were talking about Thanksgiving, the upcoming you know uh, tidings that we were going to have, the delicious meals around that holiday, and sure enough, it's December 29th now, just like that. How was how was all of your holidays? Good. Oh, it was good. It wasn't too exciting. Um, I'm good. excited to make a ham. I made a ham on Christmas. Okay. And I, but it was a small ham, and I'm going to make a much bigger ham. Big ham. Uh, sometime this week. I picked one up at the store, and that's all. That's that's usually the first step of practically ascertaining a ham. Uh, Trevor, how was your, your holiday? Your Christmas? Um, mixed. Okay. Um, so we kind of did the whole thing like back and forth with the family of like, are we all going to meet at mom and dad's house or probably not because that's, you know, maybe we shouldn't. And then, so my dad sent a text out and he was like, I know everybody's got their, you know, stuff that's going on, but if anybody needs to, or wants to be around other people, come to the house, mom and dad are going to be here. And I've got two I've got a brother and a sister that also live with my parents. Gotcha. So they're like, if somebody wants to come over, like you can come over. It's fine. The invitation's there. Um, but we get it if you don't, that's fine. And I told him originally, I was like, ah, probably not. And my sister was like, ah, probably not. And then um, about, it was about the 14th, 15th. So about two weeks before Christmas, uh, my dad sent out a text that was like, Hey, anybody that was planning on coming, you can't come anymore because my little brother and my mom both tested positive for coronavirus. Oh, dear. Are they okay? Yeah. Well, they're as okay as you can be. My mom said that today was the first day she felt like a human again. Oh, that's good. So everybody's feeling better. Um, Nobody had to go to the hospital or anything like that. They were just out of it for a week or two. Um, but we ended up doing a Zoom family Christmas thing. So I got to see my brother from lives in Arizona, my sister who's living in Lehigh that I haven't seen for a while, 
and then my parents and everybody that's living at my parents' house right now. Um, and my brother in Spanish Fork, who I nice. don't get to see ever. So it was good. Like we had Zoomcation. We Christmas had Christmas Zoomcation. On Christmas Eve. And then Christmas Day, traditionally for me, has just been like hangout day. We always do like family stuff on Christmas Eve. And then I ship my daughter off to her mom for Christmas Day. So I don't have anything to do on Christmas Day, usually. So this year, I decided to make the best of it and just play got, video games. Got a lot of alcohol and oh. did alcohol stuff all day. Nice. <laughs> oh. Wow. With your big so, TV that you got. With my big TV and wow. my Deep not end. yet PlayStation 5. Not yet PlayStation 5. Is or it going to evolve or what? Yes. Yes. Nice. It's going to uh, Do you, are you a cyberpunk guy? <laughs> My roommate is playing cyberpunk on his PlayStation 4, and he is so mad about it. Dude. <laughs> like, I, he loves it. He will not stop playing it because he loves the game. Yeah. But, yeah, he says it's crashed on him probably like 40, 40 times. Yeah, I have like, I think I have like the oldest PS4 you can have. I figure if I got that game, I would be starting some sort of... Um, like mass electrical fire or something in the very near future so probably not going to get that game especially since now it's probably going to be pretty hard to get now that they've removed it from the playstation store so um yeah who knows i can't believe that's all just happened in the last three like the (laughs) launch of that game and it's complete like destruction which is Oh my goodness. So I think to get the full timeline, this game was announced like three years ago. And at that time, everybody was like, oh, this is going to be the greatest game of all time. That's I right. cannot wait. And then we're like, okay, guys, we've got an announcement date. We're going to release it on like February 2nd or something like that, they said. And then like two months before, they're like, no, guys, sorry. We want to make this game perfect. It's not perfect yet. So we're going to push this back just to like a month or two. Just to get it perfect, it's okay, don't worry about it. And then they did that six more times until they finally released it on December 10th. And then within like a week, they were like, guys, sorry, we messed up so bad. You cannot buy this game anymore. (laughs) Dude, they're like facing like class action lawsuits for (laughs) (laughs) for the release of this game, which is insane. People are so mad about it, which like whatever i just think it's funny that they built up this game for three years and this is what's happened and they oh it's just the worst i know i'm glad i didn't i'm glad i've just continued playing fifa and you know struggle on uh weekend champions league and uh take out my rage by um you know yelling into a pillow it's pretty it's pretty cool uh, but yeah, let's see. So I had a good Christmas. Thank you for asking, Trevor. Um, You're and welcome, Kyle. <laughs> I uh, let's see. So my parents have both had COVID already. Mm. Um, so Carly and I went over to to the house. Um, That's a pretty good upside. Yeah, that is the upside. The upside of people already having COVID and not uh, having any serious. Um, uh, complications. It's, it's been, it's being, it's nice to be able to see, uh, my family. So, you know, we're over there for Christmas Eve, uh, and Christmas day, we had a crab dinner. That's our tradition. We always have King crab on Christmas day. 
and um yeah it was it was delightful um but something else weird that happened to me let's see this month that's i I don't know why i said something else weird because that wasn't weird that was all very normal christmasy stuff um but something weird that happened so since we've talked last i um my the new company that i work for that i got a new job this fall because i was laid off from a company earlier this year in may uh the company that laid me off acquired the new company that I work for. So now I work for the other company again. And um, I'm basically, and I got a call from my old boss and I'm joining up with the exact same team and the job I was doing before. So I am in the exact same situation I was in uh, <laughs> before I was laid off, except now I get paid more. So congratulations uh, on that <laughs> thank you so so that's that's something that came out of nowhere and um yeah so i start that my i start my new old job again <laughs> next next monday and it'll be or wait what's is it the fourth monday i don't know have you have you considered that maybe this no. was a talent acquisition on their part i told they them just wanted you back i the first thing i text my boss i said you did not have to buy an entire company just to get me back <laughs> this is a little extreme and he thought that was real silly so but now i'm back so he said i wish you would have told me that he's like are you serious you really just we filed all this paperwork i know i know so, you know, that's, that's good. And I'm just like thinking, you know, I moved into this apartment, uh, January 1st or December 31st of last year. And I'm just thinking about, wow, what a year it's been. It's been nearly almost exactly a year since I moved in and I'm somewhat going into this next year, the exact same situation I was going into this upcoming year, except of the whole pandemic situation. So I'm just like been looking out the window, you know, watching those seasons change, you know, wondering how how we got here. And uh, but here I am, you know, very reflective, obviously. And uh, and I was thinking about how we had those New Year's resolution, um, New Year's resolutions in our episode about a year ago from now. Hmm. I, I don't remember. remember. I mm-hmm. yes, you guys don't, don't remember. I. <laughs> Okay. I remember doing it. I forgot what they were. I also well, remember doing it and forgot what they were, but um, I should have listened to that beforehand because it would be really funny to reflect back on. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I had, uh, I think <laughs> I, I, I honestly think I had something about game this year. Well, yeah, that was probably, <laughs> no, mine were like, like forced Deloitte Hansen to sell the club, like yeah. blue, blue shorts. Um, yeah, we got one of those at least. Did we do? I, I can't remember if that was no. That 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 is what that was. Yeah. Ugh. What a so strange. Um, but anyway, yeah. we made it. We made it a year uh, from then <laughs> until now. Yeah, and it, it's funny. It's what nine and a half months ish from the episode we recorded where the pandemic really kicked off. That's right in Utah. So yeah that's and that's the last time i saw both of you in person was at matt's yeah. house that, that evening <clears throat> while i was driving over there is when i got the tweet notification that rudy gobert tested positive and then 
I haven't seen either of you since. So <laughs> thank you. Wow. Thank you, pandemic. That's I guess. a lot, Rudy. Well, hopefully uh, four or five months down the line, we'll be vaccinated and we can <sighs> oh, engage geez. in some recreational podcasting. I saw a tweet about that today that was really depressing. I um, know one. I know which one you're talking about, and I don't want to think about it. It was yeah, it was some doctor that like did the math and was like, guys, if we keep up this vaccination like pace that we're on, we're not going to get like back to normal with like enough people vaccinated until like three years from now. Yeah, <laughs> and also that some uh, news events that may you know take place in early January really start late January. I, I hope so. <laughs> but I also saw this other one that was that was. Uh, in 1947, New York City vaccinated 5 million people against the smallpox in two weeks. How can we be so much worse at this 75 years later? And I was like, I, well, I have an explanation for that. A couple but, of ideas. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. But like, yeah, and it's certainly not just Orange Man bad. It's like, uh, it's been a it's been a very long project. But here we are seeing the fruits of that labor. So, uh, yeah, see you guys in July. Have a good night. Bye. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was going to tell you guys about the dinner I made tonight where I was going to make uh, teriyaki chicken with some sweet potato noodles. And I was had it all going and uh, put the sauce on the chicken and discovered that I had put orange sauce on the chicken. And so we had orange chicken for dinner. But it's good. It's a good audible. Um, and right. then I made a, a big batch of garam masala today. Ooh, so if yeah. I really need some. I need some. Boy, that sounds that sounds real nice, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, well, should we get into the news? Talking about the news. Yeah, so a lot's happened since... Uh, our last episode and at the same time almost nothing has happened so yeah i guess we can kick it off uh the first item uh the utah royals have been moved you almost certainly know about this if you listen to the podcast unless for some reason this is the only way you get your utah soccer <laughs> news um, in so which I'm case i'm desperately very sorry. waiting it's like please release an episode i need to know what's <laughs> happening we left it was we did leave it on a cliffhanger because there was a report in the athletic before we recorded um like a few days before saying there was like an interested group in kansas city and we didn't know what was going to happen and we didn't know how that was going to affect rsl and by the time you know like we put the episode out and then a couple of days later boom Back to Kansas City for the Royals. Yep. It's very depressing. Assuming they're changing their name. Oh, yeah. We uh, Utah still owns the name to the Royals, right? Is that? Yeah. I I think they do still own the trademarks. Um, Although I would love the Kansas City Royals to be both a baseball and a soccer team. (laughs) That would be funny. I like that. I I don't think that's going to happen. We retain the rights, I think, to the Royals, like just indefinitely. But we also retain the option to re-enter a team into nwsl uh starting in 2023 yep that is correct i don't know if that means specifically like you have this seat like this is the deadline like you have to do it by this time or else well let's let's save that one we have a question very specifically about that or okay well oh yeah we're entertaining questions today trevor sorry this is a new thing someone fill trevor in on the news 
that um, we're entertaining questions. That's the next <laughs> news item. Trevor, we're entertaining questions this episode. I posted, what, <laughs> half an hour before we started recording? Oh, my And we goodness. got a bunch of questions, so thank you, everybody. I know you don't all listen to this show. Um, so to those of you that do, uh, much respect. Okay. I, sorry sorry to take us back. Of the, the listeners on the show, and he knows for yes. a fact that some of the people who ask questions do not listen to the show. Oh, interesting. Um, okay, I just so, got really excited seeing you on Zoom, Kyle. Yes. Okay. So two things. Well, uh, anyway. Okay. So sorry to take us briefly back to Social Hour, but this Trevor won. That's right. I did finish The Sopranos. Fantastic show. I loved the ending. Um, I was <laughs> I uh, very promptly watch a bunch of YouTube videos about it. And probably including the one that you briefly mentioned that one time. That, um, but I think it's fan- I, I, I love the ending of The Sopranos. But um, also, there's an, another great show, coincidentally, also on HBO, uh, produced by Nathan Fielder, the writer, director, and starring star of Nathan for You. Yeah. Uh, show called um, How to with John Wilson, and it's a really good show. And in part of the show. Um, just a really short clip. He, uh, well, it's a short clip and then it comes back again later, but he buys a slide flute on eBay and then he has a shot. The whole show is basically about how weird New York city is. Um, but like he ties all these things he sees in, in the city to like lessons and he teaches you how to do certain things, but there's this shot of him and he's filming this dead rat on the, on the road and he pulls out a slide flute and he films it. So my mom, I watched the episode with my mom. She gave me a slide flute in my stocking. <laughs> so I have a slide flute now that I can do when we get bad news. That's like, not like serious bad news, like the Royals being gone or like Kyle Beckerman retiring. Although this would be Kyle Beckerman is retired from professional soccer. <laughs> so funny. So uh, but uh, it, all that's respect our, to Kyle, but man, that's our our button, our drop. Yeah, it's so oh, funny because yeah. we don't use drops. So <clears throat> look forward to that this upcoming season of uh, <laughs> of off the crossbar. But anyway, um, sorry. Yes, I, oh. the Royals are gone, and it's really sad. And I, sorry, I have to go back to social hour again. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I have actually started watching succession i'm now midway through season two and it is fantastic what a show and uh that ending of to season one was um it's so scary scary. i think i think i've asked this before what is succession on which streaming is it hbo okay yeah oh i think i need to get hbo again because i'm just about done with shows. I'm not just about done. But yeah, you're going to want to get HBO, so you can watch WW84. Just kidding. No, probably heard not. Heard it's bad. Real I bad. watched two different shows on Netflix. I think I'm, I don't remember if I've talked about this, but I watched two different shows on Netflix. The last two shows that are basically the same, and they're bad, but they're really good. If that makes sense. So it's the Queen's Gambit, which I'm pretty sure I've talked about. I and can't I started, remember if we did, but I've watched all of that too. It's great. I okay, so yeah. Then the other one is uh, the Crown. I started watching the Crown. A coworker started telling me to watch. Those it. are the same. They're the same show, They're dude. Both about Wait. queens, right? <laughs> what isn't one about? Isn't one meaning the one that I watched and I know what it's about? About chess, sort of. Yeah. I don't mean that like the plot is the same. You I just don't mean, mean they're like, like shot exactly the same and they have a similar vibe. 
it's very similar vibe. It's very gotcha. like well-made shows, mm-hmm. incredible acting, incredible, you know, everything about the show is very well done, but like the main characters, like never learn a lesson that like, Oh, and it's like most of the characters in both of those shows are like not great people. Like they're not, they're not good people. Yeah. You, you're never like cheering for them because they're like the underdog. Like that's true. Everything's given to them constantly. Anyway, I truly hate the crown, but I can't stop watching it. I really, really liked the gambit or the queen's gambit until like I sat and thought about it and was like, no, we, we didn't learn anything from this show. It was just a whole lot of a girl playing chess and being really good at chess. I think we learned, yeah, that drugs make you better at chess, I think. Yeah, drugs make you better at chess and being an alcoholic. And t- teamwork cool. is good. Teamwork, though. I think there was a teamwork thing there at the end. Anyway, yeah, yes, that's fair to say. I just that, was thought, the, I, that was the was only thing show. about the Queen's Gambit that was like a positive thing was – the thing about the Russians, they all help each other and Americans don't. And then at the end of the show, it's like, no, oh, we do. Surprisingly, yeah, but, surprisingly, like, um, surprisingly interesting uh, take on Soviet, on the Soviet Union in that area, era. Surprisingly uh, interesting depiction, I should say, um, in like a not very like cold war-y kind of way like like they alluded to like that kind of being a thing but like and they the way they made you think they were depicting it but it 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 was interesting i I thought that was that was i i wasn't trying to learn any lessons i was i was pretty captivated by that show though we carly and i cruised through it in like a day i think or two days no like i said like it's a really well-made show same with the crown like it's if you want to just watch a well-made show they're both great I just, the characters in them, I just couldn't get over. Couldn't. That's fair enough. It. But anyway, fair. I need to get HBO yeah. so that I can watch Succession and oh, what's the other one? Uh, the Boys is that on HBO? Oh, oh boy, that's on Amazon Prime, and I love that show. That's, that's a good one. That's the one I was. Don't I'm, recommend for a lot of people, though. <laughs> <laughs> it is very. Uh, it's very violent. Yeah. Anyway, I've, I've heard things about that show that make me want to watch it. But anyway, yeah, you'd like it. <laughs> you'd like it a lot. I know that. Okay. All right. Well, I gotta get it. All right. Sorry, sorry, Dad, Matt. Sorry, we're back on on topic. I'm not mad. You started talking about the saddest thing ever, and we just need to cheer ourselves up for a second. So yeah, that's right. So Utah Royals are gone. Um, there is an option that they could return kind of um but again we'll get into that a little more later anything else to add on this topic guys no this sucks this is the dumbest thing yeah um, i was gonna say the dumbest thing to happen this year but that's not even a little bit true but no it deserves to be recognized as a dumb thing to have happened this year so one interesting thing that came out of all this is that uh someone named uh julie was on twitter defending Delore Hanson uh, <laughs> to the hilt. Um, I forgot about that. I forgot that. Already... This is not like a new development. Like we, she keeps popping up and like people keep discovering, but she's been on Twitter for a while now. Yeah, she has. She only has like 10 tweets. So this <laughs> yeah, all the account. exact same tweet. <laughs> um, and it's, 
there's no last name on the account and there's a string of eight numbers after the name. Oh yeah, no, it's so, it's you for know, sure it's, like either the Julie that we all know and love or it's straight up a bot, but it's yeah. literally Deloy Hansen. It, okay, sorry. It's <laughs> allegedly uh Deloy Hansen's wife, Julie. Who, yeah who has a first name, bunch of numbers, last name, and has bad opinions on things. And uh, really, really into Dolly Hansen. It's honestly kind of sad. Yeah. It it honestly, it makes me sad to read because – it remind. I mean, it's it's written in the exact same tone. Like when Del, when Del Loy first got in trouble, um, uh, like she, you know, defended him publicly or or whatever, and it just, I don't. It, it just felt really weird. Like she, um, I, I I'm not trying to make any moral judgment on their relationship, but it felt like someone like defending their dad for like being out of touch, and, um. It was like, it was just very strange. And so those tweets are like the exact same thing, except just in different contexts about how Deloitte was like, you know, has obviously done so much and deserves all the praise in the world and um, hasn't done anything wrong. And that like, we'll talk about this more in a second, but like uh, also related to the news about Ryan Smith and like the things we've heard about their meeting that they had and Ryan Smith's potential interest um, in potentially still buying the club. Uh, She had stuff to say about that too, but it's just like, it's, it makes me sad that she uh, is clearly really tuned in probably a lot more than he is. And it's just online trying to defend him. And it's, it's brutal. And like she's defending him like two people that like know better. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like she's uh, like Sam Stashkul. Was she in his replies? Probably. I think I can't. I I can find them because uh, they popped up in my Deloitte Hansen um, (laughs) column and tweet deck. Of course. Oh, oh, it's right here. I'll post them in Slack. Okay. Um, There's this one. NWSL has their own agenda. No doubt SLC was the best place for the Royals. I agree. Yeah. And every cell wanted money from the, from Kansas City. Pushing to ensure they had a chance to come back to Utah was all Deloy Hansen. Fact check that and you will find some actual truth. Here, I post that in Slack. Um, and here's another one. Uh, I think she must follow Lucas. Uh, she, yeah, well, that's, where, that's where she popped she up. On she only follows David James Martin. and Gordon Monson. Oh, that's so weird. <laughs> But she's followed by the RSL show, <laughs> uh, Cheeky, oh, that's pretty Keaton Howard. That's funny. Um, okay, so second tweet here. Interesting thought. MLS will sell the club for more money than DLH could or would. DLH did all he could to support soccer and keep the club here. Smith is an NBA fan who lost interest when he discovered the Jazz would sell. Now RSL's future is unknown. Sad but not Hanson's fault. So there's a funny thing here. Um, can we, can we point out the very funny thing here? I'm sure you're about to point wh- it out. Go ahead. Which one? Um, so the funny <laughs> thing for me is that uh, Ryan Smith's interest in the jazz uh, has been reported to go back to what, June or July um, before his interest in an RSL came out publicly. Yeah. Um, Trevor, what is the funny thing you'd like to point out? Uh MLS will sell the club for more money 
than DLH could or would. I don't even know like Deloitte that couldn't. She's saying that Deloitte co- isn't capable of selling it for as much as MLS will. Like that's a that's a part of the the MLS being the bad guy here is MLS will sell it for more money than Deloitte would. Like somehow, a that's possible, and b a bad thing. Yeah, <sighs> that's like, really weird. Yeah, she's yeah, like it's it's crazy that that's a defense of Deloitte. I know. Like, he's not good at selling things. Yeah, it's really confusing. Um, Like, Deloitte, yeah, she's like, it it was, it's, I think what started a lot of this was Lucas's tweet. That's what she's like replying to, but he was quoting Sam Stagegoal in The Athletic. Yeah. From The Athletic, um, from a podcast that he was doing, um, talking about that, where he said, Ryan Smith is interested in RSL. Wait, did you read this already, Matt? I can't remember. No, I have not. Okay. Ryan Smith is interested in RSL and he's just waiting out Deloitte Hansen. MLS is set to take over the sale process of that of that club in January 8th if Hansen cannot find a buyer before then. My expectation is that Smith will come into the process pretty quickly after January 8th and potentially work out a deal. Um, so someone was like, Deloitte needs to stop dragging his feet and close the deal. Julie says he has no deal. And then someone said, best late Christmas, early birthday gift ever if he takes over. And Julie said, Smith is not really a soccer fan. Uh, and then she, oh, she did go after someone else as well. Um, she's, she went after The Athletic. <laughs> Laughable. <laughs> Where does The Athletic get their news from? It's all made up, like so many of their stories. Check out the truth before you go to print. Rumors and allegations do not equal truth or news. So... Yeah. I feel like if there weren't two or three athletic reporters in her DMs after that, like, hey, let us know. What is the truth? What do you know? And how do you know those things? Yeah. I'm guessing she doesn't know how to get to her DMs. So. <laughs> she also guess. liked her own tweet. Uh, oh, the, that's pretty good. She liked, she liked her own laughable. Where does the athletic get their news from? Oh, that's great. Um, she well, also that's... claims that Ryan Smith is stretched, having just become the majority owner of the Jazz, <laughs> which... Based on some news today that of Qualtrics, uh, I do not think that's true. <laughs> yeah, he like has. I'm pretty sure he like essentially has like doubled his net worth today. So yeah. yeah. So so SAP SAP bought them for what eight eight billion with a B. Like like three it, years ago. Yeah, not and, really uh, three years ago, but recently. And now they're spinning them off with an IPO initial valuation of what like, like 14, 14? 14. 14.4 is what I saw. Yeah. Which so is insane. A billion dollars. Yeah. So he's just like, he literally, yeah, there's there's no conceivable world where he is stretched by buying the jazz at this point. Yeah. Uh, she's making it sound like it's like a, what's this, um, check it situation or something where yeah. he's only like a hundred, couple hundred millionaire. Like this dude is in, uh, a whole different universe when it comes to wealth right now. So, whew, yeah. oh, boy. And anyway, he seems kind of nice. He he seems he seems perfect perfectly acceptable for a sports yeah. owner in this country. Yeah, probably above average for uh, interpersonal relations. I would assume, but yeah. And he's already uh, said. Better things than Deloy Hansen about, uh, say, the Black Lives Matter movement or, you know, players protesting Most that sort of things. thing. So, yeah. yeah. Just in general, he's just probably a better guy. So 
Um, yeah. So Kyle, oh, sorry, we skipped to. So the Royals are gone. We don't really know what's going to happen. Um, but you know, you should probably listen to the Utah Royals FC show because they're doing their last episode like uh, this week. And yeah, I'm sure they will have far better information and things to share because yeah they're great and this is gonna be their last episode which is a bummer but yeah real um, bummer. hopefully they can come back when the time is right because potentially we might get them back again at some point yeah okay uh second news item kyle beckerman has retired from professional soccer uh i, w- I should add uh his playing career um though he has not immediately at least publicly accepted a position at the organization and we'll get into more of that later too did he say i i skimmed through his thing he said in there that he or did he say anything in there about wanting to continue to to be in soccer in some form you know that bit that they usually throw in when they retire so he club or anything like that uh his retirement in uh press conference was actually kind of not traditional in that way and that he didn't say like you know, I, I want to stay with this club forever. Uh, he did say, like, I want to get into coaching. Um, his parents are both teachers, he said. His brother coaches um, wrestling at Brown. Um, so there's he, he kind of described it as being in his blood, which is interesting, right? Um, and yeah. I, I'd be into that. Uh, Kyle, yeah. were you going to say something? No, well, no, I was just going to say, uh, you know, I think that there's certainly no immediate plans for him to be involved in the club is what I was going to say. So one thing that I thought was interesting out of all that, um, was he talked about the reasons for his retirement and Kyle, I know you've been on the retire train for a little bit, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, his, so he said the reason he chose to retire, uh, was because he was, uh, he, didn't feel he could contribute to the team. Um, and it wasn't in a, like my body's given up, like I can't do it. I'm not healthy anymore. It had nothing to do with the injury that he sustained near the end of the season. It was, uh, there were times when I was healthy and I was on the bench and not playing, um, and not coming off the bench at all. Um, and that was sort of his reason for retiring. And I thought that was really, interesting and it made me think there's something going on not going on necessarily um but it it made me think that uh kyle beckerman would not immediately come back and work under freddie juarez at this point is that a is that a weird read no that was absolutely what it sounded like which um it, it that is really weird and very uh unorthodox compared to most retirement like uh, yeah, it, it sounded more like he was unhappy with his playing situation than he was with his ability to contribute at this point, which is like, I mean, you hear, like, compare that to Natum's retirement announcement when he, on his podcast, just talking about how, like, at this, like, you know, injuries take more of a toll on him than they used to, um, but also that he just doesn't get the same enjoyment as he once did, and, like, he's ready to do other things in his life. Kyle's mm-hmm. was like, yeah, no, I'm retiring because I, you know, felt like I could have done more to help the team and uh, I wasn't given the opportunity to, which yeah. is, 
I don't know, but he's still retiring now. It's not like he's going to go anywhere else. So who knows? It it was odd though. So I have mixed feelings about that, um, as you might imagine. Like, I do think there were matches where Kyle would have made a difference, um, and certainly like leaving your captain on the bench for extended periods doesn't doesn't really benefit anybody, right? Um, Fair. And if you have him in the, I mean, if you sign him to a new contract, like there had to be a disconnect there between coaching and GM for that. And that like they re-signed him and then he didn't play. And it's kind of weird. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, it's also one of those things where a player of that caliber at that time, like he's going to, if he wants to stay, he's going to get re-signed. You know what I mean? You're not signing that player because you need him to play every single game. Like, and even if I remember, there was a big kind of to do made about how he's such a veteran presence and he's such a locker room guy, and we need somebody to teach, keep all the young kids in line. And you know, if and that was, I that was my expectation for Kyle's role for the last two or three years of his career. So, I don't know. I. I appreciate that Kyle might feel that he could have contributed more to this team. And maybe that's, maybe that is exactly why he retired is because he doesn't like to coach or he doesn't like the direction or whatever. But at the end of the day, I, I, this is going to sound bad talking about this dude's retirement. I don't think he could have contributed more to this team. I think maybe he probably did deserve to play a couple more games, get up to that 500 mark. But I mean, this was a bad team that he didn't really improve when he was playing. You know what I mean? Yes, so I agree. That's that's the other side of that coin. If Kyle thinks he could have contributed more, well, he didn't really. So I'm just looking through the games he played. That's hard because we didn't win many games. <laughs> and he didn't play many games. Uh, he started five games, played 10 total out of a total played 22 um and he he was getting garbage minutes yeah. uh three minutes sub eight minutes sub 12 minutes sub was a longer one five minutes sub four minutes sub i mean it's kind of freddie Wars's way uh he was giving garbage minutes to everybody um yeah, there's a lot of guys that got garbage minutes this year. Besides uh, Elon Malowski, who should have gotten more. Yeah, I think he had that one game. And any garbage minutes would have been fine, right? Yep. Just, yeah. So it, it's hard, like, I think we could have used him um, more than we did. And I think he's a player that presents some interesting tactical options uh, that we didn't have anyone else to fulfill. Um, and I wouldn't have minded seeing like him and Ruiz together a little bit. Yeah. Um, but instead we kind of put Kyle Beckerman in this weird square peg where he's, you know, as a, or he's the square peg in a round hole. Yeah. Um, and he's being asked to do these things that are not like Kyle Beckerman things, uh, and sprint up and down the field and, and, it wasn't a way like it wasn't play that suited us right ever right. Um, which is why we looked so intensely bad all year it was yep. a really depressing year 
It was it was pretty brutal. Not gonna lie. I thought oh. I, I might have just changed Freddy my own mind on Freddie Juarez. Which say I not enough. Trevor, we, do you, uh, did you disagree? Di- wait, sorry, disagree with what? There's a lot. No, of I thought I, I with us saying it was a brutal year. Oh no, I was absolutely agreeing. I was oh, saying okay. yeah. everything about this year, <laughs> including RSL's performance on and off the field, brutal. Yeah, pretty brutal. tough. Pretty tough. Um, yeah, so you know I, i'm gonna miss kyle i i recommend people go listen to the rsl's show sorry for the plug for them but uh they did kyle went on their podcast and talked and, <laughs> and and had a good conversation with them and it was a good candid conversation that i really liked so yeah it wasn't um, it wasn't a conversation where they were like asking him all the normal yeah. like they, they were asking him questions that you wouldn't normally ask a guy but just, yeah. you know, like a club legend that just retired. Like they were trying to, it was, yeah, it's good. Go listen to that. It was a good conversation. Yeah. Um, oh boy. Next, next news item. Um, so we were told that, you know, throughout the last few months, there's been an investigation going into, going on into, uh, the RSL organization by MLS. And supposedly we were going to get a Christmas day release of that information, uh, which we didn't. So here's what I think happened on that. Um, I <laughs> I think it was like a game of telephone gone terribly wrong. I think so too. Uh, where somebody at some level joked like, ah, we'll release it on Christmas Day. Did you know, okay. Like a Friday 5 p.m. news dump is normal, right? And people yeah. started talking like Friday 5 p.m. I want to... That's, that's the joke, right? Up really quick. Yeah. So... Who like did anybody like nationally ever say Christmas Day or was that something that no was like an invention? Because <laughs> I don't here's my side of this story, and this might be me thinking I'm way more important than I am, but we were in a Slack group. Somebody asked in the Slack group, like, hey, MLS Cup is over. Last we heard, it was after MLS Cup. Don Garber said that they had finished their investigation, they were gonna release it after sometime after MLS Cup. And that's the yeah. last I remember hearing about it from any kind of national media or national anybody that's not an RSL fan. And then someone in the Slack group after MLS Cup said, "Hey, when are we going to re- hear it?" Don said it would be after MLS Cup. When is it? And I, as a joke, said Friday at five PM because that's the joke. MLS releases. Like, big Trevor, news. do you do this? Trevor did Friday it. at five PM, and then. Like, I thought it was a joke. It was buried in some replies. And then it seemed like everybody that talked about it, at least right. in the flat group, said that they were expecting a Christmas Day thing or they were expecting it Friday at 5 p.m. Like, that was – and I don't – I honestly have no clue if that was me or if there was somebody else that said something somewhere else. But I kind of hope it was you. <laughs> I that's hope pretty good. But, yeah, no. I definitely said that as a joke because that's MLS – that's how they do big bad news is Friday. Well, I, uh, I'll, ha- I'll have you know that your joke, Trevor, ended with Alex Vehar uh, talking to MLS about it. And they said no announcements were planned for Christmas Day. So they MLS had to respond directly to a joke that Trevor made in a Slack group. So I'm that's the real news. Sure item. That's exactly what it was. 
That's what it feels like. Um, so yeah, we have no idea. Please email all complaints. Else said something about a Christmas Day release, and that wasn't. I think it's just action. you. But in any case, please email inquiries or complaints to Jake at the RSL Show dot com. Um, the RSL Show dot com or RSL Show Jake at RSL Show dot com. See, There's I don't no actually deep. remember. I got it wrong last time. There's no. Well, I Jake when he's doing the podcast intro says, "Welcome to the RSL Show." Like it is the it. RSL show, but the yeah, but their handle the is just handles are yeah. All right, well, it's email really, them either. It's really confusing branding. They should figure that out and get that. Yeah, that's it's causing us some real problems. It's in no way less confusing or uh, less confusing than Matt's handle being the crossbar RSL, but the podcast is called Off the Crossbar. But the, we don't really have a podcast handle. It's just RSL Soapbox because we're technically syndicated underneath the RSL. <laughs> okay, so. We we could um, have a handle if you guys wanted. That's we, okay. We want a handle. It's just more work. I like. I just like RSL soap. I like the RSL soapbox. We, uh, we used to have a handle. Um, that's but, right. But, uh, so uh, this was a fun one. So one Jason lost his original Twitter account after impersonating somebody. <laughs> after impersonating the wrong person for like the fifth time. Yeah. <laughs> um. Lost that account, so he just started using the podcast account, and that eventually morphed into his account, and then he lost that account. Yeah, uh, so thank you, Jason. That's why you don't get a handle. Yeah, that's exactly it. Listener. It was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next news item. Give it to us. Uh, so I want to hear Matt pronounce this word. Hang on. I want to hear Matt pronounce this word. Go ahead. Oh, I can I can pronounce it. I think um, MLS uh, has um, announced. Did they announce it, or was it reported um, that um, there would be? See, I I can pronounce it. I just don't know the right like usage of it. Um, they would undertake a force majeure clause. Did I say it wrong, Trevor? My, I'm, laughing, I'm laughing at the word undertake in that sentence. <laughs> Undertaking. I think they would activate the force majeure clause. Force yeah. majeure. They were hiring the undertaker to initiate a force majeure <laughs> of the uh, of of the CBA with the MLS Players Association. You know, that, so that makes a lot of sense because I'm pretty sure he's anti labor. That's right. Oh, he is for sure. The undertaker. Yeah. yeah. Yep. The undertaker. Yep. Famously, actually. So uh, they've got him in the ring and he's destroying the CBA because of COVID, they say. Um, so, so let me let me uh, ask you guys real quick. Sure. Um, I'm usually kind of up to speed on like contract legalese jargon terms. Never heard force majeure. What does it mean? Somebody um, explain it to me like I'm a child. Because it's been in the news, like it's this is not the first time. Kyle. <laughs> yeah, um, well, so, I know I know that it's bad. I know that brought up for the NBA as so well bad. because uh, well, I don't know what I'm it's against. A 2014 internationally co-produced comedy drama film <laughs> directed by. <laughs> you know they remade they remade that with <laughs> with Will Ferrell and Julie Louis Dreyfus, and it sucked. Oh, they you called it downhill. Say. Oh, that's the original French one is really good. Um, so it is, yeah, it's a film. So 
let's see. So they're hiring the Undertaker to create a third remake, a second remake of the film Force Majeure with the players of Major League Soccer. And um, sorry, so yeah, basically okay. this means like an extraordinary event has prevented the original agreement from uh, being, being exercised. Or so just yeah. nullifies it. Basically, they just have to yeah. start. Over. Yes. Okay. Um, so the so weird yeah. part about this is that uh, I don't think the MLS CBA was ever like officially no. ratified. Um, no, so because it, it was that was the um, other big sticking point was that they didn't ratify it. They got to the point where the players were like, "Okay, we're not going to lock out. We're going to play the season." Yeah, we, we expected the lockout kind of. Yeah. We agree on largely all of these terms, but we'll ratify it later. We got preseason to go to, so they did that. It never got ratified. And now the owners are like, uh, this thing that isn't actually doesn't actually exist, we're going to delete it. Yeah. So that seems weird. I, so they really just want to start over with the negotiations, which is strange. Um, MLSPA well, is pretty pissed, though. Oh, yeah, of course they are. Well, I mean, so, it, right? it makes Rightfully sense because, so, yes. Yeah. Well, because the owners made so many well, – I should say the players made so much progress – in the CBA, I mean, you remember all the things that like they got that just simply were just owners spending money. They got a whole bunch more chartered flights. They got a whole bunch more in the way, not a whole bunch more, but more in the way of salary and, and benefits and bonuses and all that stuff. So like they made a lot of progress in getting the owners to spend money. And then this year happened. Yeah. So the players made a sacrifice to their demands in order to, yeah. make, you know, get the league to carry on. So, um, so their statement was today, less than one week after players completed the most challenging season in MLS history, the league notified Major League Soccer Players Association that it intends to invoke the force majeure clause in the collective bargaining agreement. Invoke. This action, sorry, invoke. Yeah, that's the word. Invoke. Uh, this action sets in motion a process that could result in the league and its owners abandoning the existing collective bargaining agreement and commits and commitments made to players for the second time in less than nine months, which was what happened before the season started. Um, as you're mentioning it comes down and it comes in advance of any negotiations and at a time when many players are enjoying time away with their loved ones for the first time in almost a year after a 2020 season of extreme sacrifice and measurable risk to personal health and a remarkable league-wide effort to successfully return to play this tone-deaf action by the league discredits the previous sacrifices made by players and the enormous challenges they overcame in 2020 um and also legal counsel of the show uh Heath, he was he was <laughs> in Slack was talking about uh, he said, you know, he's really tuned in to the legal world. And there's a debate about whether COVID qualifies as a force majeure um, unless because, you know, there's there's gray area there because uh, it may not have explicitly written out that force majeure, force majeure could include something like a pandemic. Um, yeah. And the players played the season anyway. So it, like I could see as. I agree with Heath in that, like, if that had happened, it, so if the pandemic had stopped the season from happening entirely, then I could see that being, you know, uh, something that seems more reasonable. But the fact that the players did play both the in the fake tournament in uh, in Orlando and just just it was literally just so they could put something on TV and for the rest of the season and playoffs and the MLS Cup final. Um that all happens still. So it's really. Yeah. And this is the best part is that it's like they're invoking this in something that isn't like actionable because the CABA was like never ratified. Yeah. 
So, so they really, I think they're just wanting to start over. Like uh, that's what it seems like to me. Yeah, by abandoning yeah, it. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's for sure just going to be. I say for sure, it's something that's going to be uh, that could go to the courts, and that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. So one interesting part of all this is it, it shows how much MLS is hurting for money, right? That yeah. they're trying. I don't think they'd take this tack if they thought they could have a profitable year, right? Or an even or a less unprofitable year. Um, but I think what they see is some writing on the wall that they're now worried about and their billionaire owners can't cover it because they have to I don't have a good reason for that actually. Yeah. I don't really know. <laughs> um you, say, you mean the only people getting rich right now? Yeah. Aren't able to absorb the loss of some money yeah. during the yeah. well, They wouldn't be quite as rich if they did that. So you're um, right. We got one we interesting one interesting part of this is I think this actually lends credence to the idea that RSL will not move. Um because they're I think they're just more likely to take more teams into the league because they get a pretty hefty expansion fee these days. It's like five hundred yes. million by now, right? Yeah, and that much, but yeah, it's exorbitant. It's, it's yeah, I don't know what it is either. I thought it was like at least I thought it was between four and five. Yeah, uh, because someone was comparing it to or four hundred. But someone was compa- comparing it to like buying whoever was looking at buying one of those like lower table Premier League clubs. It's like a lot. Is it less. Arsenal? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, it's Arsenal. No, like I love it when I, Matt I don't know if it was like West Brom or something. I don't know. Someone was talking like it's it's cheaper to buy like one of those like in between Championship Premier League clubs than it is to buy an MLS club. Yeah, um, which is interesting. But it's part of investing into the whole league structure, right? Rather exactly. than buying an entity that you're responsible for all expenses on, you're instead buying a MLS is a safer basically, right? For sure. Yeah, having watched – oh, I watched Ted Lasso also. Good show. Oh, I still need to watch that. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, but yeah, like uh, there's a lot of pressure when it comes to those uh, bottom of the, the table teams like Arsenal. Um, <laughs> we won two games in a row now. So That's right. That's right. Six points. Oh, you're, you're, practically, you're practically invincible, Matt. Hey, nice. So this sucks, but we'll see what happens. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, we said it last season, and honestly, if there weren't a pandemic, I think that there we probably would have seen a lockout of some kind because it was reported over and over how like I don't know about poor poorly, but like tensions had certainly grown really high, and the relations between uh, the ownership, the, the league, and the players' association had been incredibly strained through the last bar- bargaining process. And so I don't know. I, I, depending on what the situation is with like the pandemic again, um, I don't know what we're going to be dealing with when the season starts. When is the season supposed to start? I don't know. March. Tentatively, March. tentatively, I think they said preseason in March and games in April or May, something like that. So, so they floated that initially, and then uh, I think it came back like, no, we're going to try to do it on the normal time frame. So yeah. who knows? It could preseason it's could be in like two weeks. It's definitely it's definitely up in the air. There's not like an established anything, I don't think, on any level. Yeah, in any MLS organization. Sorry, completely random. What the hell is Beef Wellington? 
It's a it's a Hold dish on. like a roast with like bread stuff around it. Why are we talking Just, about beef Wellington? Sorry. I can, I can absolutely answer the question, but what? what, what I, I, just in the corner of my eye, I saw something really strange looking, and Miles posted, made beef Wellington for Christmas. It was amazing. Is this a British dish that looks yeah. in, just insanely British? Okay. Super British. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a, um, like a, uh, geez, like a roast. Usually you can make it with like fancy cuts of meat, but it's basically just like, like a tenderloin roast and you wrap it in, you like sear it off, wrap it in some kind of like mushroom paste and then wrap that in like a pastry dough and then bake it for a while. So you get like a really like rare, medium rare roast in the middle surrounded by basically like a mushroom stuffing and a pastry dough. (laughs) <laughs> this just yeah well i hate uh, miles if you listen to this i'm looking at your british dish um doesn't look like it's for me but it looks like you did what you it looks like you did it well I'm not gonna say that i would first of all like there's like multiple ingredients in there that would probably kill me at this point in my life but um it looks like you did it effectively and i congratulate you on your effectiveness the bread looks really good i'm just seeing that much meat within the bread is really off-putting to me and i think the british shouldn't be trusted um with a lot of things but food is is an is an especially like damning one for for that for that people so um that's fair but the beef wellington looks they've been getting well dude, Miles. that like toast with beans on it thing that I keep seeing from the, from the Brits, disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> um, fair. Like they just have what's in? I mean, the British Baking Show. Like it seems like they do that type of stuff well. Uh, what cakes? But, yeah, but and like puddings. when it comes to actually f- actual food, it's just like I think they all just eat ground beef and beans and toast. So. Okay, so I've been watching Britain's Best Home Cook. Okay, which has Mary Berry on it, and it's right. pretty good. It's not quite okay. like it's not quite as good as Mary Berry on on Bake Off, of course. Um, but oh, few cool. things are. Um, so they it, it's interesting because they end up doing a lot more like maybe Indian inspired dishes. Yes, um, which makes sense with colonization and, and the history. Yeah, there's a lot of Indian Brits, British people ever have been. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's been interesting to see that, and you, um, those are kind of the like more interesting spices they use. Really, yeah. quick, since we're talking about food and we're talking about uh, British people and British food, go back to social hour real quick. I started listening to podcasts. Um, like oh. it's now a thing I do. I listen to podcasts. One of the podcasts that I listen to uh, is called Off the Menu, and it's two. Oh. Brit- it's I think you guys would love this. It's two British comedians, Ed Gamble and James Acaster. If you're familiar with them, they're two of my favorite people on the planet. But they get together. They just have a guest, and they just create like a dream menu. They do like their dream starter their dream main dish and like a dessert and they just talk about food for like an hour and they get a whole bunch of diverse people with diverse backgrounds and diverse opinions so and so they talk about a lot of different foods from different parts of the world and the whole point of it is like it's your dream meal so you can get anything like it can be something that your mom made when you were a kid or it can be something from a specific restaurant that you've been to or at somebody's wedding in the countryside and you had a dish that you don't know what it was. But, you know, so they just talk about whatever and it's all everybody's just favorite food. And it's hilarious and great and awesome. You guys should listen to it. It's called Off the okay. Menu. I it's just great. subscribed. It's also the name of a Catholic podcast 
that appears to be pretty right wing Catholic and <laughs> is very distressing. Why would that be called? Oh, I don't. Who don't like that? Um, yeah. So we've plugged two other podcasts so far. Uh, oh, let's follow- plug our own podcast. Uh, well, like, no, we share, and three other podcasts because I plugged the, the Utah Royals FC show. Oh yeah. So like, share, and subscribe. That's right. So moving into our questions segment, which is something we've always done and always will do. Um, starting it off, you know, real related to what we were talking about. Uh, Jake wants to know why Matt doesn't listen to the RSL show. I've been accused of this several times. I've listened to multiple episodes. Hey, no one's accusing. We're just asking questions. No one's accusing anyone. It's a lot easier to listen to a show about a team that I um, feel positive about. That's okay. That's, that's it's, it's been a little bit. Yeah. Um, this episode maybe the whole existence of the RSL. The Matthew show. Montgomery question. That's, that's what this episode is called. And that's what that question is called. Huh. That's that's honestly fair because I, I uh, you know, I, I remember I, I do this with the jazz, too. But like other sports teams that I follow, like when things are going well, I find myself just like subconsciously seeking out like a ton of uh, media just related to those things. Like I'll go out of my way to listen to podcasts that I never listen to just to hear them praise the teams I like or something like that. And I, you know, when things are going poorly, like they have been, I try to avoid a lot of that, especially when it comes to like national media, because, you know, I listen to the RSL show because they have this, you know, similar stake in it as I do. So I, that's easier for me to listen to because I know there's like solidarity in the, my suffering, but when it's just like, I can't listen to national people talk about how bad RSL is like, that's like, they don't have any stake in it. So I don't. I, I can't listen to that, but I will listen to, I do listen to the RSL show. Uh, I was trying to do the Andy voice. That was pretty but, good. All right. Um, anyway, so good, good first question. Uh, Miles famously noted for making a great beef Wellington. Um, oh, great looking. We have no idea how it tastes, but it looks great. He said it was amazing and I'll believe him. That's, that's, right, that's fine. Fair. It does, that does look good, right? Trevor, that does yeah, look no, good. It, it looks great. The bread looks good. Looks yummy. I like the the uh, crosses, the X's he put in the bread. It looks pretty. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Miles asked, "What is the perfect role for Kyle Beckerman if he were to stay at the club in some capacity?" Coach, assistant, great, great coach. locker room guy. No, just kidding. Um, I would like to see him have some sort of. I don't know. Some sort of like um, scouting job. Interesting. Okay. Uh, what was uh, oh, the Columbus player retired in like 2011? Became like Eddie a team mascot. No, oh, not. no. You're thinking of Frankie Hayden. Yeah. 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 He could yeah. do that. I don't think what? he'd enjoy it. I don't think he'd want to do that. that. No, he'd be too he is, at all. Could Going you around have to college a, campuses trying to hype kids up about RSL? I was going to say, like, I, I don't think they, uh, there's two different personality types. I mean, like, I, I think they, I'm sure they get along or would get along, but like, he is a very, he's like a frat guy in my, in my mind. I don't know if that's true. Frankie Frank, or Kyle? We're talking about Frankie. Frankie. Kyle. Yeah. Absolutely. Frankie. Um, like, he went to UCLA. Like, he's just like a, he's a Southern California bro. Oh, yeah, like he's, he's a surfer, dude. He's mm-hmm. just a chill guy. 
Loves to party. He's a huge. Okay, well, this is interesting. So I'm sure they they do get along a little bit. Um, he's also a fan. Let's see. He's a fan of the LA Chargers. Hayduke uh, is a, fr- a huge fan of Jamaican reggae legend Bob Marley and celebrates his goals by replicating his hypnotic dances Marley did during his performances. I didn't even know that. Um, <laughs> well, so he scored like six half. goals in his career, so that's fine. Dude, what? What is this word? What San Diego. There, there's some high school. He went to San Dieguito. It's like San Diego, but instead of an O, it's U-I-T. Oh, it's in San Diego, too. It's in Encinitas. What the? San Dieguito? I've never heard that in my entire life. It's pretty good. Um, I'm going to pull this up. but I'm a whole school district. He was on the surf team at San Dieguito. So. <laughs> of course he was on oh. the surf team. State oh, San and Dieguito? National. Yeah, that's probably it. Oh. San Dieguito. So little San Diego. Frankie, uh, he gained some small notoriety in October 2008 after he showed up at a crew supporter's tailgate for a game against the Galaxy while serving a one-game suspension. Um, Interesting. Oh my gosh! With his duty on the U.S. soccer team, he became one of the first. Uh, for, he became one of the first former Yugoslav players to play for the United States, following a, a, with Amer- Serbian American Preki. Preki, do you remember Preki? What's he up to? I Can we get Preki? No, he's actually uh, coaching. He's the oh jeez, the Sounders. Oh, oh, you gotta be freaking kidding me! Wait, okay, really? whatever. Yeah, he's an assistant for the Sounders. Oh, I thought he was coaching some uh, UFL team. He was for a while. He was. Um, So I I don't know about Kyle being a scout. Uh, I guess it really depends. I like... I don't think he has the work ethic to be a scout, honestly. Yeah, I I don't know. I think he might as well be an assistant because I'm still not convinced the assistants do... uh, I'm not saying they don't do much, but like... They kind of just like do like what the head coach is like. They're just like with the head coach and they kind of just are there to be delegated to. So I don't know. That seems like a good person that put in an assistant coach role. And I think I honestly think we will see him as an assistant, but not for a little while. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like my honest to goodness answer to this is I don't think Kyle really has like a job in the front office or with the team. Really, I mean, I'm sure he's going to stick around and stay in Utah because he loves it. And I'm sure he'll be seen around and, and with RSL. But there's not really like there isn't a place that I think is an obvious fit for Kyle. You know what I mean? I don't think he's obviously like a like an academy coach. I don't think he's obviously a scout or a GM or a TV broadcaster or like any real capacity. But that, that's my I argument, would, Kyle. I but I don't think see him he, on TV. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, it would be so bad. I would love it, but yeah. I don't think that he would really dig much of anything. Like, I honestly, my read on him is that he's going to be very happy to just go fishing every weekend and hang out with his wife and just enjoy being in Utah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If he decides to do something, it'll be probably something outside of soccer to make money. But like, I don't see him. I don't know. I don't I'm excited to revisit like this one in a year and see where things are at. Yeah. Oh, no. I got yeah. a piece of chocolate, guys. Okay, next question. Uh, off. I can't see it. Thad Padgett asked. Um, so he first asked a question about the uh, the 
investigation report that we didn't get because Trevor um, misled the entire media class of MLS. Um, Another one, uh, given all that has transpired and come to light about the DLH organization, should we reevaluate the firing of Mike Petke? Also, whatever happened with his lawsuit against the the club? Uh, First thing to note there, I did get in an argument on Twitter with someone who was a um, Mike Petke defender, but anti Deloy Hansen, which which is a he, weird Venn diagram section. Very thin. I can't even imagine more than I can't imagine more than him. I didn't know even he would have existed, but um, it's really really interesting stuff there. I'm not really sure the logic, and I still don't get it. Even having just had a weirdly long discussion with him. Um, in which he called me a snowflake like like 50 times. times. I remember while reading this still, Yeah, while uh, also like getting mad at me for calling him stupid, but whatever. Um, anyway, I, I don't think we should reevaluate it, but I think that that was certainly um, emblematic of a larger problem. It is funny to think back on Deloitte Hansen's comments at the time about, uh, you know, Mike Petke knowing... I mean, as as we have learned and as everyone has said, there was kind of like an open secret around about how bad certain things were in the organization. So it's, it was weird to hear Deloitte go. I mean, he's obviously just protecting his organization as he would, as we'd expect. But hearing him like the way he defended it and then hearing what we learned about the organization after that, it's very clear and obvious that uh, – Mike Pecky was not the only one that should have been gone at that exact time or never been there, never should have been there to begin with. So I don't, um, I don't know that I understand what about, so stuff has come to light about the DLH organization. What has come to light that means that we should reevaluate the firing of Mike Pecky? Like we didn't, um, we didn't learn that Mike Petke was a really good guy stuck in a really bad situation right. or vice versa. Like it was Mike Petke got fired for good reasons. And then what we've learned about the DLH organization is that that kind of stuff existed all the way to the top. Real it was an environment being, that fostered that kind of person. Yeah. Like, so I don't, I don't know. Maybe I don't understand the question, but I don't know why we would reevaluate it. What what about the firing of Mike Petke changes because we know more about the DLH organization? If anything, I still think Mike Petke should have been fired sooner. And I, think I don't think it's necessarily asking should he not have been fired or like should we make should we oh should we rethink how we thought about um, like exactly how or if, if you know what kind of person Mike Petke was, but really just like. Um, you know, re reevaluating it from like a more sh- like that this was more, way more pervasive at the time s- outside of Peggy himself. That's the way I, I'm yeah, from, reading it. I from think. that standpoint, yeah, like it, it certainly sheds a lot of light onto why there was a question about keeping Peggy, why they're, you know, why they seem to put up with a lot of the stuff that they put up with them. Because I don't know. Well, and, and that goes into the second part of the question is yeah. like also whatever happened with the lawsuit against the club. Um, I A lot of that has been delayed because of COVID, I think. I'm, I'm actually not so, sure. So I, it went to settlement, I, I, right? Yeah, I thought oh, it got settled. Right. Yeah. It did get settled. They, and we didn't find out the outcome, but you, you rarely find out the outcome, right? No, yeah, it was settled right. out of court and 
Yeah, he was asking well, I, for a I, lot, and he didn't get a didn't get what he was asking for. Yeah, and I, I think, think we can fair. reevaluate it in thinking about like how I mean they really were. I'm sure scared to fire Mike Petke because of all the things he did know about the organization. Yeah. So it's interesting to look at it from that perspective of like, uh, it was a quite a risk to fire him. <laughs> and it only happened because Deloy Hansen like blabbed in front of a camera. That's right. And it's just like, I mean, that's, that's Deloy Hansen in a nutshell, right? It really is. Um, so it's the time of the podcast when I, Look to see if Mike Pecky has liked anything new on Twitter. Jeez, has he? Is it still the guy with the shovel? Uh, he has liked something new. Oh, my goodness. And uh, the guy with the shovel tweet seems to be gone. Oh. This is. I'm going to look at this, and if this is not worth it, Matt. It's not worth it. It's he not worth that. liked a Grant Wall tweet uh, who <laughs> interviewed him for oh. <laughs> the Freddie Adu podcast. Because Grant Wall mentioned that Mike Pecky is still relevant to something. Yeah, which he, he is. Like, yeah, I like fair. that. What I dude, his likes are a weird place. Yeah, just like what? What is happening with this? I'm so confused. I there's just like some strange stuff going on in here. Um, huh. Okay. So anyway, next question. Uh, let's see. We got Joseph Hutchinson, who Hutchison. Sorry, I had added an N in there. Oh, RSL Starbucks writer. That. Let me double check. Oh, I bet he did. I bet Matthew did mistype that. I did not mistype it. He did not mistype it. He's a good editor. Um, he's an RSL Starbucks writer. He said, uh, "If the Olympics had happened as planned this past summer, do you think Aaron Herrera and or David Ochoa would be making moves to Europe this winter, assuming they performed well?" That's a uh, good question. Um, so I'm going to split my answer here. I don't think Aaron Herrera would be. Um, he doesn't have like the the preternatural speed that, say, uh, Andre Yedlin had has. Right. He's probably still fast. I don't know. Um, but he also like he, he's not a, a flashy right back. Um, he's he's certainly very good. Uh, do I think he could compete? Um, I think he'd be a good backup for like a mid-tier Spanish first division side or something. Um, but would he start yeah. for like a top six team in England? I don't think so. Um, Ochoa, I think like good goalkeepers are always at a premium. Um, and good young and goalkeepers he, are even more famously trained with Manchester United. Is it United? Yeah. yeah. For- it there um so i could see a choa potentially that being his situation which is still weird that he has gotten like zero time with rsl other than the snow game um but yeah i think if he did perform well at the olympics yeah i, I could see that because he is sorry sorry i was just gonna say i don't see this as i didn't read this as making a move to like a big european club yeah any european yeah i think it would be would be very easy for aaron herrera even now not having performed in um the olympics or whatever to go to like a club in belgium or a club in france you know what i mean like yeah yeah if they had played i think and if that was their desire i think they could have leveraged that very easily to a move to plenty of places in Europe. Was, would it be like a top five team in England? No, you're right. It, yeah. I don't think there's a chance of that. But 
they could de- they definitely could be playing in Europe. Yeah, a, a player like like Aaron Herrera, I think has I think doesn't isn't going to leave to Europe unless it's a Premier League team, a Bundesliga team, maybe an Italian team or maybe a Dutch team, but like anything below that I don't think is worth it for a player like Aaron Herrera to go. Yeah. Um, with the stature in like at this at an MLS club like it's just it's I mean yeah especially when uh like the coach of the national team is like I mean ha- has tended to have uh you know some sort of biases towards MLS players not as nearly like um Bruce Arena or anything like that but uh yeah I don't know he I don't think he'd be le- he's going to be leaving for anything lower than um, one of the top leagues in in Europe. Yeah. Whether that's at a top team, probably not going to be a top team in one of those leagues. But so I don't know. I still think that's probably on the horizon in the next couple of years. So the interesting thing for me here is that he so he turned twenty three in June, which he would he would have qualified for the Olympics, right, and still would I yeah. think, depending on how they run it. Um, but that's not young in most European contexts, right? Um, I mean, it's it's still in the earlier part of their career, but uh, they'd have to see like immediate impact, I think, yeah. for it to be worth it, um, or like a, a cheap deal. And maybe that's the you know the option. But um, I think yeah. RSL would be crazy to take a cheap deal for him. Yeah, no, I agree. But like I said, I, I think it also just kind of depends on what his goals and motivations are like a 23 year old moving from MLS to like, say a Belgium team, like they could use that to then leverage themselves to perform well over the next two or three years to then go to another bigger club. Plenty of players have done that. You don't necessarily need to be lights out Deandre Yedlin in the world cup when you're 21, 22 to get the attention of the big clubs. They're still shopping in other European markets for 25, 26 year olds. And if you go over there and perform well for a couple of years at a lower team, like that's definitely a path to a bigger European club. A lot of players are taking that. So, but again, I I think it depends on Aaron's goals and motivations. And I think you guys, like, I don't know Aaron, but I think you guys are probably right that he is probably more valuable here and would probably like to stay here unless he has a huge opportunity at a bigger yeah. league or bigger team in a bigger league. I don't think he's – he doesn't seem like the kind of guy <laughs> that would go and battle it out in the second division of France or, you know, Belgium or something like that to try to make it in Europe. Yep. So Agreed. one other thing about this is that I sure. wonder how much of our calculus changes based on, like, player feeling around uh, the CBA abandonment. Like, does that does that start to tip the scales for players a little differently than it might have, you know, a year ago? I don't know. I, that's a fun question. I don't know. I would hope that there would be a lot of player pushback and a lot of players just being like, okay, well, then I won't play in this league if you're going to do this stuff to us. But I don't know. That would, be, yeah. that would be a really fun question to, like, anonymously ask a lot of players and then write about it for The Athletic. Yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting. I know um, okay. who listens to this podcast and is looking for article ideas, and that would be a fun one. <laughs> I agree. Uh, Soccer Prime asked, 
Will there be, um, or will any new owner who doesn't exist yet bring in a new coach with the season starting in eight weeks? Um, so that's the first part of the question. Uh, no, Freddie's going to be here at a minimum for a little while. So I agree, but I also wonder. So one thing we haven't talked about yet is uh, the report in the Salt Lake Tribune on Christmas Day of all days, um, famously a big news day. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, especially around MLS, there was <laughs> hey, good job, Trevor. Um, that there exists an international group already invested in soccer that at least talked to Deloitte Hansen. Um, we don't know anything beyond that, um, but that's that's certainly the sort of thing that after already involved in soccer and looking to make like footholds in yeah. the U.S. Um, I could see ownership changing the coach at that point pretty quickly um, if it suited their purposes. And I have many thoughts and feelings about uh, an international group buying Real Salt Lake. Um, Part of it terrifies me. Part of it could be interesting, right? Mm -hmm. It all depends on the group. Um, If we become a, you know, a, a advertisement for a, Sovereign oil rich nation that commits human rights abuses. Um, Less than ideal. We can change off the crossbar to be about something else. But what if we win a lot of games in that scenario? I don't care. I'm just saying we could win games. Yeah. We won games before. Yeah. Yeah, It's not that good. I'm still under the, I'm still honestly assuming, I, I think that it, is likely going to be Ryan Smith that buys RSL and he's not going to be replacing Freddie. But I do think that um, there's a chance in Freddie being gone before the end of next season, depending on how things go. Oh yeah. And hopefully things go well, right? Like that'd be great if he steps up and, um, but 2020 left us all feeling pretty deflated. I do worry that we keep replacing coaches like, right at the start of the year and then yeah, they have a bad first year and they we always get to say oh it was because they didn't get a preseason um yeah i don't, I don't i'm tired of it it's just a like mm-hmm. not good um second part of the question are there any prospects coming into real monarchs that have potential for first team i honestly don't know yeah there was the one, yeah, this is me trying to contribute with the Rail Monarchs content. Please. There was the one guy, they signed a guy in the last recently um, who was, I in think. In the last recently, yep. <laughs> like in the last three or four weeks or so. Yeah. And all I remember is he, I think he's South American and he has like youth national team experience, which is usually some good things, but no, I don't think there's any, I, I don't know of any like prospects that are coming to the Monarchs. There's that's not usually something that is like as well known or well rumored as like players that might be coming to RSL. For example, Yeah, we usually find out about Monarchs players like after they're signed, you know what I mean? Like, and it's usually players that nobody has any clue about anything on because they're playing in second division of Guatemala or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I appreciate that we want to know more about the Monarchs and their potential for the first team. I personally want to get away from the idea of let's sign a player to the Monarchs and so that we can then sign them to RSL. I'd rather RSL just sign really good players and Monarchs try to develop really good players. And if they do, great. And if they don't, 
like move them. There's oh, there's yeah. a weird kind of thing with RSL fans right now where we hate that all of our signings last year came from the Monarchs. Like we're not signing good players from other leagues or good players from other teams. Like we're not pursuing just good players, period. Yeah. We're not pursuing the type of players that you should pursue to get better. We're just signing guys from the Monarchs that are okay at best, but then we're still like, Oh, this guy we just signed for the Monarchs. He's probably going to play for RSL one day. Like, yeah, it's a weird kind of contradiction. I don't like it. I'm over it. I don't really get excited about Monarchs signing new players until I see him for a year or two. Fair enough. Agreed. Um, Let's see. CJ asks, can a new owner bring us more Sunday games? By that, I mean, would they be willing to uh, be willing to potentially lose a small minority of fans? I'm under the impression that we wouldn't lose too many fans on those days. Thanks to take ticket resales, et cetera. Um, I honestly have no idea. I don't know what goes into that calculation. (laughs) I don't know that... I don't know that that's really a calculation that a lot of owners, incoming owners, would really make or consider. I think Ryan Smith might be the only one who would consider it. Yeah. Like if we get like an international group, they're not going to care or pay attention to or know about the Sunday game thing in Utah. You know what I mean? I think that they yeah. would just be like, yeah, let's do games, whatever. And then they would find out that maybe they might sell a few less tickets on Sunday and look into it later. But I don't think anybody's buying the team planning on bringing more sunday games right you know what i mean kind of an afterthought yeah, yeah. Um, and especially if we're not getting national tv spots and we probably wouldn't yeah um, it would probably take a couple years of being good again to get yeah it wouldn't really matter. yeah um i here's my idea let's do all of our games on saturday morning at about like 11 a.m and just do that deal because I love those games. Uh, I feel like I have another day after that. And it's although man, I do like the night games. I like I like week I like weekday night games for some oh, reason. Yeah. Like, those are cool. I like like Wednesday night games. Those are I like those. Saturday yeah. mornings and Wednesday nights. Perfect. The other I like those. the other part of this to go back to the question that I want to address. I don't think sure. it's there's two things. I don't think we would potentially lose fans. I think, like you mentioned, um, CJ mentioned like ticket resales. We've had Sunday games in the past and people have either come or resold their tickets. And there's been like the slightest of dips for like Sunday night game attendance uh, numbers. You know what I mean? Yeah. I And to be honest, I don't think I've personally noticed that big of a difference, especially in the last few years when we've had as few as 14,000 and as many as 20,000 people in the stand. Like you notice it when it's a big drop, like from 20 to 14,000, but that's not usually what we saw. Right. The attendance was about the same. It might've been a little bit lower in like in-person attendance. The ticket numbers sold were about the same. You know what I mean? So I don't think a, that we would potentially lose fans because of it. Um, Yeah. I was going to say, I don't, a, a small minority of fans. I don't think, that it is a small minority, but I think if you're talking about people that go to the games, that's probably where it's a small minority of fans. Yeah, I, and I, I don't think the people that stay home and watch that watch it on TV are going to stop watching because it's on Sunday rather than Saturday. Yeah. Of the people that go to the stadium, I don't think it's going to bother that many people. But I don't know. Okay. I could be wrong. That's my experience. So, it, all right, it's hard because I don't think we've had like 
a good enough team for it to matter, right? Yeah, that's that's where I'm at too. It's like I, there's a lot of uh, room to be made up for other attendance problems, and like I think the Sunday question it should be certainly secondary to all the things that could still be done to increase attendance. Um, to where that wouldn't really matter, but. Uh, the official ref of off the crossbar friend of the pod, not Ian, not Ian. Yes. You, Ian. You know what, what's great about this? What? Uh, we have a referee on the podcast. That's right. And Ian know, is but... the official referee and I love it. I'm here for yep. this. I used to, I used to do that myself. Oh, but, did you? And oh, oh yeah. For many years. But anyway, so Ian proposed a little trolley problem. And I think uh, also a friend of the pod, James, kind of contributed a bit. And it, I kind of lost track of where the question went. But anyway, the question is the trolley problem. One side of it is Deloitte stays the owner, stays owner as R- of RSL. The other side is there's no investment in the team for the next three years. I kind of just mean assume that means uh, status quo. Just kind of things kind of stay as they are for three years. <laughs> Um, I think for me, that's pretty easy. I would say the no investment, no additional investment in the club for three years. Yeah. You know what? Real quick. Sorry, Kyle. This is for yeah. you specifically. You've seen the Pete Buttigieg trolley problem, yes. right? This <laughs> yeah. is this is the Pete Buttigieg trolley problem. This really is the Pete Buttigieg <laughs> trolley problem. <laughs> Where he I, just I'm sure I've seen this, man. It's so, okay. You know the trolley problem. It's the, the train oh, yeah. goes one way or the other down one track or the other track. The Pete Buttigieg trolley problem is Pete Buttigieg comes in and connects the other ends. So it just ends up going in a circle and killing everybody <laughs> instead of killing the one or the five or whatever. Anyway, this seems like amazing. <laughs> anyway, it really does feel like that. To answer the question, I would agree. I think they're both terrible, which is what the point of the trolley problem is, but there's no investment in the team for the next three years. I think is a more preferred option. I, I think I and countless others. <laughs> there you go. We've made our, our opinion on DLH pretty clear. And yeah, no, I don't, I don't want him to be the owner or have anything to do with this team ever again. Period. Yep. I agree. Okay. Um, Rich, so, yep, absolutely. Rich Manning asked, given the proof of rumored groups, what are the odds that the new owner will exercise the option for an NWSL team in 2023, which is the soonest the Royals could be a team again here? Um, and it should be uh, noted that Rich Manning is the coach of Utah women's soccer. Yes. Um, Utah, I, you're saying the University of Utah? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Good so I honestly think uh, it's pretty high. If we get a local, like if someone like Ryan Smith buys RSL, I think it's pretty high. If it's an international group, I think it's far less likely because – well, I don't know about far less likely. It just, I don't, and I don't know really know. I don't have any basis for any of this, but I think that Ryan Smith uh, would be more likely to uh, bring them back. I know there are, there are a lot of NWSL fans in particular who don't want there to be a tie to MLS in any way because of RSL and the Utah Royals being a good example of why that can be a bad thing. Um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing, but it is like, I, you know, I think if Utah does get another NWSL team, it's likely going to be from the next owner of RSL. Yeah, I think um, I know a lot of people saw a lot of the negative parts of an MLS owner also being an NWSL owner, but there were a lot of positives 
too. And the easy one to point out is that we had a ready-made huge stadium for them to play in and we filled it, not filled it, but you know, I was looking at, yeah, I was looking at the photos from that game and like, I mean, there were so many fans at that first game in particular, but they averaged some of the highest attendance in the league. So. Yeah. I mean, we had, I think it was in the range of 15 to 16,000 for the first game, which was yeah. incredible. But then this, every other game through the season, we averaged close to 10,000, you know yeah. what I mean? And the only team that came anywhere near that was Portland because obviously, but then the next closest team was like 4,500 people. So like, there's something to be said about having a women's team, not tied to a men's team, but using the same stadium, having a lot of resources from the organizational efficiencies you gain, right? Cross promotion, you know, yeah. All that. Yeah. We did see a lot of the good things. And I think that, and it's unfortunate that there were so many of the bad things that were mostly happening behind the scenes um, there. I mean, we saw glimpses and, you know, like deciding to cut back on the broadcast and everything like yeah. that. Um, there were things like that. Uh, but assuming you have an owner who doesn't do those negative things and create a, such a bad environment, I, I don't really see the negatives outweighing the positives by any means um, in the, uh, again, uh, in the future, I think in this case, they certainly did when it came to the treatment of the players in particular, but like in the future, if you have an owner who is uh, not, uh, not a bad person and hires bad people, then yeah, I think the positives would certainly outweigh the negatives of being tied to an MLS team. Yeah. If we had to give it odds, my bet is it's probably like 70, 30, 80, 20. That might be a little bit optimistic, but I I feel like that's realistic considering how successful the team was. Any new yeah. owner would come in and see that. And I would hope that they would make the decision to continue that. Yeah. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm at too. Um, the one big question mark for me is can NWSL survive that long? Yeah. Um, and that's been a yeah. question mark the whole time. Um, we've seen women's leagues fold and new ones pop up. And uh, it's, it's it, you know, it's kind of hard to watch, right? Like, yeah, uh, it's an important thing. And I think getting it back would be good. Uh, I am hopeful that the league is in a good state in three years. Uh, they're in an OK state right now. Right. But I mean, all signs point to the pandemic. The hurts, right? Yeah. The pen. Yeah. Obviously, the pandemic's a big one, but. Pandemic aside, there's been a lot of positive momentum um, the past couple of years for yeah. women's soccer. And it, besides the pandemic, there's not really a lot of things working against it anymore. I'm also hopeful that in three years, uh, NWSL players at the lowest level are paid more than uh, properly paid more than a minimum wage job, right? Paid more than me, at least. Yeah. I'm. I don't make that much money, but they should definitely be making more than me. Yes. Just kidding. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, when, when you think about the odds, you know, when you really think about it, there's a 50, 50 chance of anything happening and either does or it doesn't. So that's my answer on the odds. Trevor, as a gambler, I'm sure you sign off on my, on my analysis. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's perfect. There's no other Saladino. possible analysis to have. Our last question is from egg Saladino. And uh, that's the yeah, it's the Nate Silver model. When you when you talk about the probabilities of something happening, <laughs> you can never be wrong because there's always room for the other part. 
you know? So like when Nate's, when Nate Silver says like, there's like an 80% chance of, you know, uh, Biden winning and say that didn't happen. He'd be like, guys, I said there's an 80% chance. I didn't say a hundred. And everyone's like, wow, this guy's a freaking genius. He's amazing. <laughs> probabilities are just absurd. But anyway, um, the pro- probabilities are absurd. We, sorry, I just keep going on. But you're going to be judged on whether or not you were right. Not yeah. necessarily on uh, like gambling, but like if some if you're look if you people are looking for you to be right, you can never be wrong when you uh, do something like that. Anyway, uh, Egg Saladino says your Elliot Fall and the new owners say you can only keep five players from the current squad for the rebuild. Everyone else must go. Considering all factors, age, transfer value, contract, position, quality, personality, etc., who do you choose? Matt. Uh, Luke Mulholland, one. <laughs> uh, maybe I should restart. Um, okay. I I'm, feel like this, actually, question, this is a great question, but I feel like it, it's not really a great like quick fire question because we're for yeah, sure going to miss somebody. But let's go ahead. Quick fire. I Matt, think I know mine pretty quick. So I'm having trouble coming up with five. <laughs> okay. Honestly, same. So David Okay. Okay. So rude. Oh, Achoa. You go next. Ruiz. Yes. Herrera. Yes. Crylock. Okay. Mm, that's four. Okay. I'd keep Glad. I was going to say either Glad or I was going to say uh, Everton Luis. I think he's that, on the, might not be, the downward spiral at this point. And I, yeah, I. I secret here i think everton louise is going to be bad next year i think so too um there was there were some troubling signs this year yeah uh, i so crylock i personality and um yeah yeah those are those are my five so hang on sorry, one more time go through it again we got crylock achoa herrera pablo ruiz crylock and justin glad yeah okay I mean, <laughs> can't argue with it. There's, like you said, there's not a whole lot of. And I honestly don't. If I had six, I don't know who my sixth would be. Albert Rusnak. No. Giuseppe Rossi. Uh, declined. <laughs> um, uh, D- Douglas Martinez. No. <laughs> Corey Baird. Yes. Jason uh, Ramirez. Sure, I guess, but like I, he could, he could not show up this next year, and I would would have forgotten that he was ever here. Yeah, so. like, like I feel like, yeah, based on what, not much. Yeah, based but on maybe he, he's one of our our designated players. I guess our roster is so bad. Um, it, it really is. I'm just looking at the roster for, uh, <laughs> and just. Um, just a lot of Monarchs players, huh? Just a lot of dead it's like, weight. It's like Noah Powder and like six of his friends, you I know, think. This this reminds me a lot of Arsenal's roster right now. And that <laughs> there are some bright spots and then a whole bunch of players that you could do without. And right. I don't dislike most of these players on like a personal level or like I think a lot of them would be passable backups. Um, Corey Baird. Um, Nick Beasley. So, like, we you got like, um, you know, you you have a Saka on on Arsenal, and we've got you know Pablo Ruiz. Exactly. Arsenal, Arsenal has um, the Italian dude. I can't remember Italian sounding name. What's his name? Martinelli. Martinelli. Uh, Martinelli, and we've got the um, 
Aaron Herrera, I guess. Don't play the same position, but bright spots. So, you know, some some good things yeah. there. But uh, for, you know, Arsenal has Granite Shaka, and, you know, we still got Marcelo Silva on the roster. You could say the same uh, thing for David Luiz or... David Luiz as well. Uh, They've got a David Luiz, and we've still got um, Donny Toya, our, you know? Our new captain's Alberto Snack, which I hope is not the case but i fear it will I mean, it is it kind of is yeah like, it's not like a rumor like it is yeah i feel like yeah i think so too um so it? yeah things are good uh things are really good uh let's see who else who's the captain of arsenal let's see obama yang's the the captain yeah. interesting it's a weird choice um uh, yeah and his nice smile yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, <laughs> you know, we've got Luke Mulholland and Arsenal's got Mesut Ozil, So, <laughs> oh, that is so unfair. <laughs> to whom? I don't oh, even know. Like, like on, on several levels, and I can't even begin to articulate. Uh, it's not really fair to Luke Mulholland. Uh, I know. Because he's basically a walking injury at this point. Mesut Ozil is like an actual angel, and Luke Mulholland isn't. I like I like Mesut Ozil, but he's we're, we're we're a long way from Real Madrid days. Oh yeah, no, I'm like playing whatever, but he's an angel. <laughs> That's right. I like him a lot. Well, uh, that was the last question. So thanks everyone for asking those questions because that's we haven't recorded in a while we needed some content and we busted out a long episode oh wait everyone what's our length oh almost two hours uh cindy of rsl soapbox uh although she's moving to the blue testament uh which we are all sad about um anyway she asks has the rivalry with sporting kansas city detensified if that's even a word nah I think we have to be good for any rivalries to matter again. That, that's how I feel too. I anytime we suck, the rivalries detensify in my brain because I just assume we're going to lose. So like, and that and it was kind of the same with the Rapids when they were have been. I mean, they they still aren't great, but when they've been so bad, like I just didn't care about the Rapids. But like when they're good and we're good, then I do. Um, and so yeah, it has de- detensified. Not because I don't hate Kansas City, but because like. We just suck, so I'm way more concerned about that. <laughs> On yeah. the field, it is deten- detensified. It is, yeah, detensified. I still think, like, in our hearts as RSL fans, they're still the worst team, right? Like, we hate them more than anybody else. Um, Except for me personally, I hate LA, but that's that's a me thing. I think I hate us more than any other team right now. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty close. I I really right. don't like. Well, I really don't like the Sounders. I don't know. I'm glad they lost. They got absolutely smoked <laughs> in the, the yeah, final. That's fair. Uh, I just want to hate like a random team, like FC Cincinnati. I think I hate FC Cincinnati now. Oh well, we all hate FC Cincinnati. I say I don't have any reason to. Oh, they're the worst. They're just a joke of an organization. That's all. Trevor. Yeah. 
I've got feelings on this. They have done like zero good things since joining the league. Why did we invite them into the league? Dude, I really we were best case so scenario excited for about them coming in and look what they've done. Oh, zero I wasn't. I don't care about Cincinnati. MLS was excited no because one, they, they were drawing like sixteen thousand fans in USL and people were like, Oh, oh yes. imagine them in MLS and they're a joke. Yes, imagine yet another Ohio team. That's like what I've been <laughs> clamoring for. Um, another team from the Midwest. I'm just dying for it. Can you um just, but speaking of the other Ohio team, the the Columbus crew are a great model for what RSL should do. Great coach. <laughs> They've got my favorite coach in the league. You really, Caleb Porter is your favorite coach? No, he's not at all. But I do think no. it's hilarious that Caleb Porter now has two MLS cups to his name with two different yeah. teams. And the whole yeah. conversation around Seattle was whether, like before MLS cup, the whole thing that got Seattle fans up in arms was somebody asked the question, could Brian Schmetzer win an MLS cup with any other team? The answer is probably not. Yeah, probably not. And it took them like a week to realize that he's good at Seattle, but that's because Seattle's a great organization got three of money for good teams. players in the, in the league. Yeah. So like probably the three of the top five. Yeah. <laughs> so, and now well. their coach who has two MLS cups because he's such a good coach now has the same number of MLS cups as Caleb Porter, who uh, is Porter. Seattle's lead. Yeah, I don't like Caleb but I did want the, the, them to beat the, the Sounders. But anyway, uh, this <laughs> one goes out to Brian Schmetzer. <laughs> I'm, I need to get one of those now. Dude, they're so fun. I'm. This is like this is a great Christmas gift in my stocking. I'm. It's great because it's sentimental. Because I showed my mom that episode of How to with John Wilson, which she really enjoyed. Um, don't recommend all the episodes because there's there's like like one in particular that's absolutely insane. But um, I showed her some other one. I, I showed her the last one. It was a really good feel good episode. And uh, yeah. Anyway, so she bought me a slide flute. It's great. So I think that I think that about does it. Clocking in at one forty-five. Yeah. So this week we have uh, not much to look forward to, but next week I think it's December eighth that uh, or January eighth. January eighth. Yeah, that the league deadline to sell was. So we should record again around then. Absolutely. We might have some stuff to talk about. Also, I miss you guys. I miss you too. Let's place some bets on exactly which day the team gets sold on. Great. I let's do this offline because uh, oh, uh, <laughs> no, I just wanted to set up for that joke. I think this 12. team is going to get sold immediately upon DLH not being in charge of it anymore. I yeah, I would I wouldn't be surprised if there's a deal in place. Yeah, or like they've already done a blind auction. Among four interested groups, and they're just going to announce it on the ninth. That would be sound about right. Yeah, I bet we hear about new ownership before we hear about the MLS report. Yeah, I think so too. Oh, I was going to say, I'll bet that force. <laughs> this was my MLS conspiracy theory. Uh, the force majeure clause being enacted was they just did that so that they could cover up the RSL report. I think we could do mm-hmm. RSL report like tomorrow morning. I would, it wouldn't shock me if they dropped something in the middle of another controversy. They just bring something up to cause a bunch of people to get upset so that they don't have to talk about the RSL report. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised to be honest. 
Okay, well, good night, I guess. <laughs> it's been a pl- pleasure and a privilege. Absolutely. Good night. Good night, guys. Adios. It's been a Trevor pleasure evening. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>